0: Let's go.
1: Welcome to Citizen. We've got a very special guest today, Florida man, Dave Rubin. Uh, Relatively new Florida man, right? You moved in, what, last year or the year before?
0: A year and a half. I believe it was December 17th, 2021, a day that will live in infamy (laughs) if you're Gavin Newsom, who (laughs) was trying to oppress me.
1: Oh, yeah. He's uh. He's on one now. It's it's really incredible how I mean, we should be used to being gaslit by politicians. That's kind of their thing, right? But it's the way that it's happening now is just incredible because before you could do it, because the average, let's call it a pleb, uh, wasn't able to access the information like we are now. But now mm-hmm. you can just look that shit up, right?
0: It's so incredible because, you know, look, I do politics daily for a living. You guys are obviously doing a lot of political mm-hmm. stuff. Everyone's into politics. It's our national sport these days. One of the things that I keep trying to tell people, you know, everyone tries to debate policy and be like, no, I'm right about that policy, and that's why you must join me, and together we will, you know, we'll take over the universe, whatever. Um, We'll rule the galaxy. Uh, But that's not really how it works. To me, all you have to do these days to kind of gauge whether someone's seeing it the way it is or in some very distorted way is look where people are going and look where they're fleeing. And mm. at the end of the day, a million plus people have fleed to Florida, over 1200 people a day, even now, over a million, about a million three have left Cali, about a million have left New York. And then it's not just Florida they're going to, they're also going to Texas mm. and Tennessee and a couple of Midwest states. Um, and that, so we could do taxes all day long. We could even do COVID policy all day long and all that. But at the end of the day, where do people want to live and where don't they want to live? That's pretty much all you need to know.
1: Sure. But taxes have been an issue in these places for decades now. That's not the new So, you know, when you're looking exactly when you're looking at trends, you got to pay attention to what's changed, obviously. and, And it wasn't taxes like California didn't all of a sudden get shitty about taxes. That's been going on for a while. It's obviously this culture war stuff, right?
0: Oh, of course. I mean, look. I was in. I was born in New York, so the. Only, I've lived in three places in my life. Uh, basically, New York City metropolitan area suburbs, and then about twenty years in New York City itself, Manhattan. Then I lived in Cali in Los Angeles for eight years, and now I'm a year and a half into Miami. So I've been basically on on the coasts in this thing and seen how you know very blue places are, and now what I would say is the strongest red place, Florida is. Mm. And Callie, you know, you're gonna pay a ton of taxes. I didn't flee because of taxes. It's kind of crappy Mm. with the tax situation, but you know, if you live in Los Angeles, you're going, all right, I'm close to the water, Hollywood's here, there's a scene, restaurants, blah, 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 you suck it up. I did not flee because of that. I fled because of COVID overreach, because of the lockdowns, because of the inane, uh, psychotic laws and then what then happens because of it, which increases homelessness and drug use, and it's not safe and stores are being boarded up and vaccine mandates and everything else. Then I came to a free state where you come here and I people ask me like, what's the biggest difference, Dave? Okay, you're saving some money on taxes, blah, blah, blah. It's the spirit, it's the spirit of freedom that's here. When, when you live in a place that respects freedom, respects your ability to live as you see fit, people start being happier. They kind of look better. Go walk around San Francisco and see what a dystopian progressive nightmare that drug-infested zombie apocalypse is, and then compare that to literally any city in Florida. And again, you don't have to care about the policy, just just look with yeah. your own two eyes and you'll see what's what.
1: Well, there's this old saying, uh, if it's dumb and it works, is it really dumb, right? In the military, we, yeah. say, we say that a lot, but it's at the end of the day, results are what matter. Uh, it, well, it used to be that results matter. Now we're kind of in this propagandist phase of American politics where everything's kind of being shoehorned in where it doesn't make sense. And there's a lot of examples of that. Now, to your point about the air of freedom, if you want to call it that, uh, King George III said to John Adams once when he was very frank with him, which John Adams was kind of want to do. He was he was kind of a dick. Uh, he said, an honest man will have no other. Right. And, it, and I think it is that spirit of like, we're not going to put up with this bullshit here. You know what I mean?
0: That that really is it. I love that because that is the truth. And, and when, once I got here, I started seeing that all over the place. You know, the amount of people that I've met here, not just the OG Floridians mm. who kind of get it. And you know, the meme of Florida, man, that's why I put it in my Twitter bio. <laughs> it's like the meme of Florida, man, was this guy who's like smoking a cigar and wrestling an alligator, at, taking a baby out of its jaws while, you know, holding a golf club. And it's like, what's going on here? But Florida man knew something about freedom. That guy somehow knew something that all the elites and all the libs and the lefties did not know about freedom. So that when the shit hit the fan with COVID, it was Florida man who was defending uh, the true freedoms. And then when you, so I meet the OG Floridians and then I meet all the new people. And you know, the OGs, they're rightfully worried. Uh Uh-oh, you guys are all coming in like locusts. Are you gonna burn the place down? Are you gonna eat everything alive, turn it blue? But I'm telling you from the people that I meet every single day at the supermarket, whatever events I go to, and I get, I get that's a somewhat self-selected mm-hmm. group of people that, that are gonna come up to me, that sort of thing. But I'm meeting just so many people that have moved here from all over the country. It's usually New York, Connecticut, and Cali mm-hmm. seem to be the big ones. Everybody is like registered Republican for the first time in my life. And the, and the funny thing is a lot of them, they're like, you know, I'm actually still pro-choice. I'm certainly fine with gay rights or whatever, you know, any of that stuff. But they're like, no. I need a government that is going to do the best it can to not encroach on my life. And we got two parties in this country, whether you like it or not. And clearly one's a hell of a lot better than the other one, Sure. even though it's pretty bad at times.
1: It, yeah. Well, on this debt situation, it's not been great yeah. so far. But we'll, we can get into that later. But there are so many examples sure. of, um, I guess, the if you want to call it the propagandist phase of American politics. Not that it hasn't always you know, had some degree of that. But now it's crazy. I mean, so over the over the weekend, and this morning, I think there's a protest going on about um, gun ownership because 95 people were killed over the weekend. And this gun ownership situation, gun control, whatever you want to call it, always circles around to one or two particular styles of weapon uh, owned by a very particular style of person that isn't part of the in crowd when it comes to American politics. But the reality is, the vast majority, about 90% of the people, 88 and a half percent of the people who were killed over the weekend, uh, it was in Chicago, LA, DC, and New York.
0: I mean, we've had a freaking running joke. It's not even a joke, but then it becomes a joke, a running joke on my show on Mondays, asking how many people were shot and killed in Chicago this weekend, because nobody cares. Well, at least from a mainstream media perspective, nobody cares, you know, for years, Sean Hannity, was the only guy being like, you know, there were 20 people shot in Chicago this weekend, they were all black, and everyone called him racist Mm. for saying it, for saying that 20 black people were shot in Chicago. Now more and more people are acknowledging it, but Chicago is, is, I would say Chicago and San Francisco are the ultimate examples of why progressive policies are horrible. Chicago has basically the strictest gun laws in the United States. Mm and has more murder every weekend. Now it's black on black murder. So it doesn't fit the narrative. They don't know what to do with that. So they just ignore it. Now we know if one of those, if they could figure out one of those to be a white guy shooting a black guy, now we got, you know, a summer of love and riots in the streets and all all of that stuff. Uh, But I can tell you being here in Florida where I own guns and I go down to Homestead and I do some shooting, uh, it's safe here. It's safe here, but it's not just because people have guns. What happens in a culture of freedom is that people start kind of, because you then start doing whatever it is that you want to do with your life. You're not encumbered by the government. So whatever, let's say job it might be, or the type of family you want to be with, or the community, or your streets are safe. When things start just kind of working and chugging along, you're going to inherently have less crime around that. Because crime, it's not that most people want crime. Crime is born out of desperation. Mm. It's born out of drugs and a whole bunch of other stuff. So if you give people conditions that freedom and liberty can prosper, well, then you are inherently going to have a less, you're gonna have a place of less criminality, less drugs and the rest of it. And then hopefully they won't have to use their guns, uh, but they can have them just in case.
1: Sure, yeah, there's a, there's definitely um, historical correlation between, I've, I've always thought this, but I've been reading more about it lately and, and looking at some of the data um, when, in areas where there is more individual liberty, typically what happens is one people exercise that liberty to their own benefit, right, which makes them more secure. And through that security, they become more entangled, if you want to call, it, if you want to use Jada Pinkett Smith's word, with their local community, right? They, mm-hmm. they, they people in good times care more about other people than they care about themselves. And then when times suck, right, when they feel uh, whatever uh, whatever agency they have slipping away from them or being pulled away from them they tend to become way more self-centered as as i guess maybe just a a survival instinct right
0: right i guess it's survival it's sort of like whoa the shit's gonna hit the fan Mm. at any second and i better not have associations with any of these people which is sort of ironic to an extent because when i was in la especially during COVID, i mean people were so mean to each other walking my dog down the street and on a you know 80 degree sunny two o'clock in the afternoon day and neighbors yelling at me because I'm not wearing a mask outside. They don't want the dogs to sniff each other. I mean, it was psychotic, absolutely psychotic. I didn't know any of my neighbors. You know, we're pretty friendly, we like to host parties. I tried to occasionally go up to people, meet them, whatever. Even though I I personally, just because of my public nature, I I don't want everyone knowing where I live, obviously, Mm. but like, you know, in my own neighborhood, whatever. We're here in Miami. From the day I got here, walking my dog, meeting every neighbor, I've become friends with many neighbors, many have been to my home. And and it feels like, it's one of those things where it feels like if that moment happened, supply chain collapses, nuke goes off somewhere, just all hell breaks loose, whatever that thing is that we're all worried about in the corner of our mind, I know that it will be better here than it will be in Los Angeles because, because people won't go to evil that quickly. Mm. First off, they'll be better prepared, meaning they'll have had more... Food prepared for them. They have generators. They have guns. Like the whole system. But it's not just the system of things. Again, it's that that spiritual part of what what makes you a functioning good person. Which is why I said to you right before we started, I read the the eleven principles here, and I was like, this is this is pretty good stuff that you're basing the podcast mm. on.
1: Yeah, I, I, the, it's the reason I started is to have conversations like this with you know public, intellectuals, scientists, business people, whomever I can get to come on the show and discuss it because. I feel like there we, we're maybe even since the late 19th century, since the since radio, you know, and, and since since print media got involved in politics and then radio got in politics in the early part of the 20th century, it seems like we're in this era of hero worship. And maybe it's not necessarily new. Maybe it's always been like that. I mean, in, in Rome, some people like Caesar, some people like Pompey, Right. I mean, it's just the way it is. But I feel like we're completely captured by it now. Uh So why do you think it is that people are looking for a hero? Is it, is it part of me thinks it's just the microwave culture? Like they want an easy solution to something. Well, I can put all my eggs in that basket, but it's like, whether it's COVIDian people or MAGA people who are now, they, they defend all this weird shit that Trump doesn't says still, that's not a principled stance. That's very low frequency political engagement, in my opinion
0: yeah, I like that line, low frequency because that that really was is what it is. look, i I voted for Trump last mm-hmm. time. I've interviewed Trump. I, I like the family. I'm friends mm-hmm. with some of his kids. Like these are good people. They've been treated horribly by the mainstream media and the machine and the deep state and all of that. That doesn't give Trump a license to just lie relentlessly about everything and gaslight everybody on Covid and Florida and tell you that Ron DeSantis is a rhino and a globalist and Soros backed while he was also backing him twice for governor and saying all the incredible things about him throughout COVID. That's where I've sort of had a shift in things because what's interesting, you probably know, like obviously I I partially moved to Florida because of what DeSantis did Mm -hmm. with this place. I'm I'm very appreciative of of what he did and what I would say the broader Floridian did, right? Um, I clearly support the guy for for governor but I do uh, for president but I do not worship a politician now he's pretty damn disciplined and he goes mm-hmm. out there and does what he says he's going to do he's a good family man you know I think he's I'm guessing you're about my age I'm 46 mm-hmm. like he's uh, he's 44 if I'm not mistaken we need a generational shift he's not fighting with people on Twitter all day long like he's doing all the stuff we could ask now I say that I hope that that doesn't come off as worshiping the guy he's He's just a man, but he happens to be doing mostly the right stuff, I would say to the highest extent that I've ever seen from a politician in my life. So to me, that is worthy of of helping him as much as possible. I would say that's different than what I'm seeing out of of a lot of the Trump people, but not all of them. And and by the way, I think most of the 95% of them are great Americans and fighting for what they believe and they just wanna be left alone and all that stuff. But you're right, this like, when you gaslight people on Florida, when, when he gets up there and says New York was better on COVID than Florida, and then people defend him for it, it's like you're saying to your own people, boy, you better ignore reality to support me. And and I don't know where that ends up, but I can tell you it's not a good place.
1: Yeah, it's it kind of sucks to be honest, because policy-wise I would think that most people agree with a, a, a vast majority of what Trump did and what he would probably plan to do in a second presidency. And it's certainly true that we need strength as well, right? The, the The presidency is defined by the projection of strength, but it's also defined by being, I guess, uh, solid and, and reasonable and not flailing about and reactionary, which I think is a problem, right? Because it just you're you're giving you're giving your political opponents and even our enemies uh, across the globe too much ammunition to use against you in that regard. So, I mean, a lot of people have said this for a very long time uh, since after Trump lost the last election, last election actually, w- which is that DeSantis seems like Trump without the bad stuff, right? Which is, you know, I mean, I, I I voted for him, too. And if he if it was if it turns out to be Trump versus Biden, that's not even a choice to make. Right. 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 I mean, that's that's ridiculous. Obviously, I'm going to vote for Trump because Biden doesn't even know where the fuck he is right now. Um, and anyway, maybe <laughs> maybe he's just getting back. Who knows? But. Um, <clears throat>
0: Well, no, I'm completely with you that on policy, these guys agree on most of it. Mm. I think DeSantis at this point is a better executor. I think he has better people around him. Again, I think there's a generational piece that's important here. Mm. We cannot have 80 year olds running the country anymore. Uh, Obviously, Trump is way more cognitively aware than Mm. Biden and physically okay and all of that stuff, but, but that's separate. Uh, DeSantis, you know, it's interesting because you mentioned the thing about how people, a lot of people were always saying, oh, well, I like Trump's policies. You know, I'm socially liberal, but fiscally conservative, and I don't like the wars, so I like Trump's policies, but I don't like the tweets. Well, congratulations. You got a much slimmer, trimmer, more effective, cogent, competent candidate in Ron DeSantis. And again, that's why it's so disappointing. Look, I get, that uh, primaries are going to be freaking nasty, and everyone's going to throw the kitchen sink and all that, but this this absolute assault on the truth that Trump is doing, I think is I think is really really dangerous because once you can convince people, like he really has a set of people convinced that Florida was bad during COVID and that George Soros is backing Ron DeSantis or that somehow Ron DeSantis is a rhino. It's like Ron DeSantis has done literally everything that anyone who is conservative minded could have wanted. He's done things that are more conservative than I would want, for example, abortion. Mm. I was fine with the 15 week thing, he moved it to six. I happened to disagree with him. He's the governor, so it's in his purview to do it. But if you're gonna tell me that the guy who has done more of the stuff than any of us could have possibly wanted or asked for, He's the rhino well then it makes everybody a rhino sure. and and that that's just not good
1: do you I it seems like um and look Trump's like I, I know two of his kids as well and they're not like this at all. Um, maybe it skips a generation but the the ego married to the insecurity seems to be a little bit problematic for because the the smart move would have been to make DeSantis his VP candidate right that would have been and this is like after losing uh the 2020 election, that would have been the immediate smart move to make if he whenever he got back into things, because he is a younger, more disciplined version of of Trump. And he could have with with that kind of, uh, I guess, backup, because, you know, Mike Pence, I'm sure is a good man, but he's kind of a bump on a log, you know, Um, (laughs) I'm not sure really what he brings to the table other than the haircut, you know.
0: Well, he's announcing I think today or something and he, you yeah. know, he'll get 1%, they'll get him in one debate yeah. and whatever it is, what it is. I actually think that, that the VP thing was never really gonna work. And, and look, maybe they work it out in the future and, mm. and I, I'll be totally shocked, I guess that's possible. I think the problem with the VP situation is that it would be very hard for a guy like DeSantis who's so disciplined, who, who's the chief executive of a state that's thriving, to say I'll be number two to a guy that even though he's doing a lot of the right things, He's so um, unhinged, or whatever you wanna say, he so turns on so many of his people, it would be too risky for DeSantis. I think the better option, and I really think this is still a possibility. Everyone says I'm crazy on this, but I think there is an off-ramp here that, that really fixes almost everything. And all that is, is Trump looking at the tea leaves, seeing that DeSantis is getting incredible crowds everywhere. He knows in his heart he's not a bad dude. He could look at that and say, you know what? Why don't I just be the kingmaker now? I'll run rallies, I'll have fun, I'll get out there. I'll tell people, you know, I went after him, but you know, it's just politics. Everyone will forget all of it in a second. Trump will look like the freaking king and and it would be the strongest Republican, whoever DeSantis chose with him. It would not only be the strongest Republican ticket, it would be the, the coolest wide tent of America-loving patriots, maybe that this country's seen since the freaking Revolutionary War or something. It really could happen, but it's it's only on Trump. That's not on Desantis. That's on Trump.
1: Yeah, I, I've I've actually said. I mean, you know, wishful. I don't I don't know if it's anywhere in approaching reality that, that something like that might happen.
0: No, everyone for, says I'm nuts on that, but like yeah. I, I, I. But it was part of the reason that I'm even saying it is. I want Trump to think about that mm. for a second. Like, really think. Is what's left for your legacy and everything, that it must be you at the expense of truth and maybe what's right for America and everything else, that it's just you or bust for the existential state of the country? Or is there another way that actually this can work? And we and all of us that are, that are good, decent Americans who just wanna get rid of the woke crap, don't want any more lockdowns, don't wanna be run by an administrative state, that maybe we'd have a chance, and and I think there's a way to get him to that. I, you know, he's he likes being liked. Let's not mm-hmm. forget. So so maybe it can happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, it would be. Uh, I, I think it should be a, a litmus test for people that if um, whether or not the, and I think this is the same for interpersonal relationships, and then and like the the relationship between um, you know managers and subordinates as well. And and I I, I abided by this in the military if somebody. If somebody is, you, you have to have shared goals, right? Like the goal needs to be to make America the best that it can possibly be, make America great, right? Which is his call sign. Um, but you know, just like the the mission statement of a business, for example, does the action that I'm performing right now support that mission statement? Mm-hmm, I think that's a good mm-hmm. litmus test. And is my behavior uh, as a major figure in American politics right now supporting the the actual intended goal? Because if, if it's if it's just about you, then that's not we're, we're not really having a conversation, right? I mean, that's just
0: so what do you, what do you think we do about that? Because it sounds like we're sort of in agreement on that, but mm-hmm. I, but I don't, unless I'm right about my like crazy theory that maybe he'll come around on that, you know, Trump just sort of doesn't seem to view the world that way. He seems to think it, it's him or it's nobody. Mm-hmm. You know, every episode of GI Joe cartoon, ended with Cobra Commander being like, if I can't have it, nobody can, and then destroying the thing that he was working Mm. on the entire episode. And it does feel a little bit like Trump is shifting into that mode. So I I don't know exactly what you do about that. I believe that Trump loves the United States Mm. way more than Joe Biden loves the United States, or even Joe Biden's not even cognitively aware enough to know what he loves, let's say. But I don't know what you do with that part of Trump, that seems to be the part that is activating everybody, or that he's always using to activate everybody.
1: It's a good question. I'm not sure how you would solve it. I mean, I guess I would, I would have to think about how I would solve somebody else's insecurity, right? Because that's how you do it. Like if you're in a relationship with somebody, or something like that, or it's a member of your family, or a, or a business partner, whomever, and you're dealing with insecurity, they, there's only so much surety you can pile onto somebody, right? You, you can only, you can only coddle and reassure someone so much if they don't, if they're not willing to accept the, the reality of that situation. Right. And I understand the idea of, of look, we've all been in tough situations in life and in business and stuff like that, where you feel like you're the only person you can count on. You've got to, you got to be the one that does the work and all this stuff, but it it's, it just never works. You know, I mean, you can't scale yourself like that. It doesn't work. So I, no, I'm not, I did. Yeah, go ahead.
0: No, it it doesn't work, and and I think this is going to be the challenge that we all have to, you know, for any of us that talk about this stuff Mm. for for a living to some extent, it's like this is what we have to solve for. You know, I wake up in the morning and, like, you know, people will see on Twitter, like, I'm hitting Trump over this lie or that lie or the other thing, but when I wake up in the morning, my hope is that he hasn't said anything crazy. It really is. Like, I don't like waking up to Trump says, Florida's crime is out of control and it was bad under, like, I don't want to have to do that. But I also think, and this is, uh, you know, I toured with Jordan Peterson for a year. Mm. This is very Jordan Peterson-esque. It's like, if you don't say what's true, you're actually giving into the lie. So I think it's, it is your job actually to go out there and say what is true. And part of that is defending against the lies, even though sometimes it's just not fun to do. Like, trust me, it's not that fun to do. You know, when I do this, and then I get a bunch of crap from my own audience, like that's not the funnest thing in the world, but I, I just think you have to do what you believe to be right.
1: Yeah, there's this, um, there's this old Indian principle, um, dots, not feathers, uh, called Satyagraha. It's what um, passive resistance during the civil rights movement is based on. This idea that while it was read, and I, I guess you could say transliterated into English or into the West, as, um, passive resistance. That's how we interpreted it. But what it really means is something to the effect of firmness and a good cause. Right. And the, when you, when you read the application in in Indian culture over the years, what it really means is I'm going to do the right thing and accept the consequences, even if it's, even if they suck, right. That's the thing. So we, we're, we're kind of stuck in this position where for a very long time, we've been electing the lesser of two evils in our own even in our own minds like we're very aware that that's Mm -hmm. what's going on it's not like Mm -hmm. i i feel like even a lot of down the line republican and democratic voters still feel that way even though they still feel somewhat connected to their own individual party and at some point like you said these people have to be held accountable right i mean and the only way in my opinion the only way you do it is that if you vote based on principle i mean it's it, it, it is, you're not gonna completely agree with anybody, but there are some core things that we do here in America. Like the idea of what America is in the first place, it's not our government, it's damn sure not any politician. It is the idea that individual liberty and personal entrepreneurship are the ultimate inoculations to tyrannical bullshit. That's, that is what America is in its core. And if what you're doing doesn't support that, or you know, if you're an egomaniac or whatever else, or you're selling us out to foreign countries like Joe Biden is, things like that, then that's a no-go immediately. It doesn't matter what else is going on. We can, we can deal with these other ancillary yes. issues down the road, but if this core is not taken care of, then we're volatile.
0: You're not only right, but you know, the title of Desantis's book, which came out a couple months ago, it was the courage to be free. And it's like, that's, that's interesting for a politician to write that because politicians usually write like forward on, or, you know, it's just something very like specific, but somewhat meaningless. And it's about them in a bizarre sense. You know, it's about, I about my mission to do the thing that mm. I wanted to do. The courage to be free. He's not just talking about himself, he's talking about everybody. You have to have a little courage to, to do the right thing when, when the shit comes and it's a coming and it just came and it'll probably come back in COVID-9 or whatever mm. else they have down the way. So again, I don't worship politicians. To me, a guy like DeSantis, you know, he's worth about 325,000 bucks. Like that sounds like a lot of money to people, but it's nothing in the scheme of what these people have. He clearly has not done this for money. He came from a blue collar family, went to Yale, not because he was in skull and bones in a secret grandfathered in, it was because he got a baseball scholarship to Yale. The guy has a great pedigree. I just don't know how much more we could be asking for. Now, someone might be watching this and be like, but Dave, you know, the six week thing was too much. Okay, well, first off, the president doesn't set abortion policy, it's what he's, the governor sets for his own state. So I think you don't have to worry about it that way. You might not like whatever policy, you, of course you could have disagreements with him or with me on policy, but I think ballpark for the ethos that you're talking about right there, of what America is and what it takes to, to have a flourishing society. I think that that he represents that right now. And and the the real issue I think is that if it isn't him, the chances that we'll ever get back to what that ethos is are very, very slim. If we get four more years of Biden, God knows what destruction these guys could do. And you know, even four years of Trump, which obviously will be better, uh, with Trump with revenge on his mind, um, mm. could also be, uh, as the kids say, problematic.
1: <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that statement: the courage to be free. Because the reality of life is that every time you take a shortcut, every time you take the easy route. And every time you let someone else do things for you, there is a price to pay, right? I mean, th- it, when it's food, it's preservatives that destroy your body, right? When it's uh, governance, I mean, what Plato said, if you refuse to take part in your own governance, you're doomed to be ruled by fools, right? He said that a couple of years ago. This is not new. Yeah. <laughs> this, none of this stuff is new. We, we, couple we, of years, couple of we, years. We, we, we seem to have this really bad habit in the West of unsolving problems that we've solved before. And I don't know if it's like boredom. It's like an etch a sketch, we're like, oh, that's a good picture. Let's shake this shit up and do it again. But there's it, it people suffer because of that. It's so arrogant. well we're
0: victims. We're we're victims of our own success. Mm-hmm. Um, as my friend Douglas Murray, great conservative writer. Oh, I Douglas, yeah. Uh, says, I, yeah, Douglas is Douglas is the best. He says, you know, the barbarians will be at the the gate and we'll be debating what pronouns to call them. And that's kind of where we're at right now. The experiment of America of you know, this this default situation where you live in a roughly free society and get to do what you want um that is not the default position of the way humans have been ruled for thousands and thousands of years it's a freaking miraculous experiment and now we're letting in a whole bunch of ridiculous ideas that are completely counter to reality and science whether it's you know gender stuff or race stuff or economics and that we want that young people seem to want socialism more than capitalism all this stuff and we're debating what pronouns to call them instead of being like, guys, can we uh, fortify the door? And by the way, that was one of the reasons I was supporting Trump because I viewed Trump as the guy that was defending the gate. Mm. He was defending mm. the gate. Eventually they got in and then the question is, can he reconstitute himself enough to push them out again? Or is there a better guy at the moment? Obviously, you know my feelings on that. Sure,
1: yeah. And I think uh, we, we've we discussed this at some length over the months, but, uh, and uh, we even talked to his, uh, to his kids about it, well, his sons anyways, and, and I, because I always ask, like, it seems like a lot got over on you, and he felt that the, the response to that is that he was, he, he actually refers to himself as naive in some ways in that regard. Like, I should have fired everybody at the FBI, I should have fired everybody at the NIH, everybody at the CDC, at, at the administrative level, obviously not all the doctors and stuff, but, you know, didn't do that for some reason, and I wonder if, you know, Is I let let's say it's um, January third week of January 2025 and DeSantis is the president. Is he going to clean house in these organizations? Because I think that I think that should be the ultimate litmus test for anybody that runs for office right now. Because we our our institutions that are supposed to protect this country are completely captured by bullshit right
0: now. Well, you're totally right, and yes, I think the answer is yes. And the reason I say yes is not some pie in the sky like oh I hope he just does the right thing. Every single thing that this guy has said he was gonna do, he's done so far. If you can think of one thing that he has promised that he hasn't accomplished, I'd love to hear it. And I ask people that all the time. You may not like all of those things, but he says something and then he does it. So I really believe that he has said it repeatedly. He will get in there and he will reform these agencies. And what I think is he will have the right people around him to help him execute that. The the other problem that Trump has now is that not a lot of people wanna work for him. And you can't blame them, you know? I think last week when he turned on Kaylee McEnany with that <laughs> rambling diatribe, mm. it was the first time that I saw even his base was like, wait a minute, wait, this is a bit much. It's one thing when you go after John Bolton or Chris Ray or sort of, you know, these like middle-aged, deep state, apparatic, like, it's mm. not, that's something. Okay, now you're going after the girl who was you're not only your best defender, but your most well-spoken clean clear at the height of COVID crushing the media all the time. Now you're going after her, like who in their right mind? And, and that get, gets back to why I think the, the VP thing is just too risky for DeSantis. Mm. It's like, you don't know what this guy is gonna do. Pence is a perfect example of that, you know, how he's gonna turn on you. So how are you gonna staff appropriately to literally change the way the entire United States government works, I don't know that he has ten, you know, really solid people around him right now.
1: Yeah, no offense. I don't know that he has four. Sure. Yeah. I, well, people that have people that are statesmen that have experience in this kind of stuff certainly aren't going to want to engage like that. I wouldn't think. I mean, no, no offense to Dana Perino or you know Ari Fleischer or any of those people, but I think Kayleigh McEnany's probably the best press secretary I've ever seen. Um, I mean, the two she was on. The, the two bumbling dummies that have worked for, uh, especially this latest one, she's she might be the dumbest person in a position cringe. of power I've ever seen in my life. Um, I call her
0: cringe, Jean Pierre. Yeah,
1: yeah. She should get a change. Um, yeah, I mean that that one was. I think that may have been the biggest mistake he's made so far, frankly, because there are well, there are a lot of people who are like fans of her, I guess, just because she did such a great job. This episode is also brought to you by Babbel. Right now, get up to 55% off your subscription when you go to babble.com forward slash citizen. If you have an upcoming summer trip abroad, um, my go-to travel hack is Babbel. Whether you're a seasoned traveler or embarking on your first adventure, communication is key to fully experiencing a new culture. That's where Babble comes in. Babbel's a language learning app that sold more than 10 million subscriptions. And thanks to Babbel's addictively fun and easy bite-sized language lessons, there's still time to learn a new language before you reach your destination. With Babbel, you only need 10 minutes to complete a lesson so you can start having real-life conversations in as little as three weeks. Babbel's expertly crafted lessons are built around real life. You learn how to have practical conversations about travel, relationships, business, and more. Other language learning apps use AI for their lesson plans. Babbel lessons were created by over 150 language experts and voiced by real native speakers and not computers. Their teaching method has been scientifically proven to be effective, and you can choose from up to 14 different languages. In addition, Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent so you don't sound like an idiot. There are so many ways to learn with Babbel. In addition to lessons, you can access podcasts, games, video stories, and even live classes. Plus, it comes with a 20-day money-back guarantee. Start your new language learning journey today with Babbel. Right now, get up to 55% off your subscription when you go to babbel.com citizen. That's B A B B E L dot com slash citizen for up to fifty five percent off your subscription. Babbel, language for life. This episode is also brought to you by First Form, firstform.com forward slash drink it, bros. The product they really want you using is the micro factor, it's a complete daily nutrient pack. Now, what's in it? Antioxidants, CoQ ten, great for heart health, multivitamins, uh, greens and reds, which is to say fruits and veggies, then EFA. Which is to say, fats that you need. And then they got a probiotic in there as well. It's an easy little packet. You just dump it all in your fucking mouth and swallow, uh, probably with some liquid, preferably water. Um, they got all kinds of other great products as well. Uh, talking about those meat sticks, the breakfast sausage meat stick is the best thing I've ever had in my life. And then of course, they have energy drinks. They've got all kinds of stuff over there. They got great protein, the best supplements on the market. If you spend over 75 bucks, you're going to get free shipping, so go to firstform.com forward slash and bros and get those deals. This episode of Citizens is also brought to you by ghostbed.com forward slash bros. Right now, Ghostbed is offering 40% off Ghostbed bundles where you get a mattress and an adjustable base. For everything else, 30% off if you use the code drink and bros at ghostbed.com forward slash bros. If you get the uh, 40% off deal, if you use the 40% off bundle deal, you're going to get uh, a mattress and all your stuff, your base, your sheets, your pillows, all this stuff for about 30 to 35 bucks a month. They've got a zero down, 0% financing plan for up to 60 months, six zero months. That's five years, uh, about the lifespan of the average bed. So it works out great for you, works out great for uh, the company. So go check it out. Go to ghostbed.com forward slash so drink your bros. Whether you're in the market for a bed, uh, an adjustable base, whether you just need sheets or pillows or any of that stuff, they got the best the mattress protector, the weighted blanket. They have everything you need there. 30% off everything. Use the code Bros at ghostbed.com forward slash Bros. Or if you need that adjustable base as well and the mattress, get the bundle and everything else you add onto that deal is 40% off.
0: In a, in a way, it felt like the attack on Florida. I think those are the two that he's done that really have done some harm to him. The Florida one was interesting because you know the night before he sent out that crazy first truth social thing about how bad Florida is, mm. the night before he had a dinner at Mar-a-Lago where he had 12 Florida reps who all backed him publicly. So think about it, you're a Florida rep, you go to Mar-a-Lago, you, you announce that you're supporting Trump, you wake up the next morning and he's shitting all over your state. Now, some of those guys, Byron Donalds in particular, mm. who's a rep from yeah, awesome. uh, Southwest Florida, He's absolutely awesome. He's gonna be a future star. Mm. He's a really good dude doing great work in the midst of that area that was crushed by Hurricane Ian, blah, blah, blah. Like, he just used you. He played you guys like a fiddle. Uh, That's what Trump did over there. So I think that hurt him a little bit, this Florida thing, because it's too out of whack with reality of what people know. Mm. And then the Kaylee thing, I think you're right. People saw her, you gotta remember, it was not only, okay, an impeachment, height of COVID, all of the craziness that he's orange, Hitler, all. And she just got up there every day. She never made a mistake. She fought them over and over. All, there's no one walking around, even on the other side. They're not gonna say nice things about her, but I think there's a quiet respect there. Mm. Like that girl knows what she's doing, she's a pro. She's exactly the type of person that he needs right now. And, and instead, he just went the other way on it.
1: Very bizarre choice to make. But you know, I think uh, I, it, some of it, and I don't wanna Project too much or uh, speculate too much, but I. Some of it makes me think that maybe maybe uh, his mental faculties are starting to decline because that's one of the things that happens. You know what I mean? Is you start to get angry and better at people for no apparent reason. You get deeply suspicious of other people for no apparent reason, um, and he is up in age and drinks twelve diet cokes a day. So I'm sure that's not great <laughs> for his brain. Um,
0: he does drink 12 Diet Cokes, he doesn't drink booze, so uh, mm. that might spare him a couple of brain cells. Yeah. But look, you know, is his cognitive stuff like a gajillion times better oh, yeah. than Joe Biden? Of course, but he is, I think, 78 if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Uh, so he'd be 80 once you know, in the midst of a, of a presidency. What 80 year old should be running a McDonald's? I mean, truly, if you went into a McDonald's and the general manager of McDonald's was 80 years old, you'd be like, that dude should retire. And not, you know, like almost any job, almost any job. Even if you walked into freaking Walmart and the greeter was 80, the guy who just stands there and that's usually an old guy, yeah. at 80, you'd be like, dude, you know.
1: Let's let's start a GoFundMe and help you retire right quick, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a good, yeah, it's exactly. good. I, I always thought, I mean, it's weird to me that there's an age requirement for president, but not an age limit, you know? And it's for for a lot of reasons, beyond just the cognition issue it seems like it would be a good idea to have somebody as a chief executive who has some level of investment in the outcome of their fucking the actions. You know what I mean? Like it, you you wouldn't you wouldn't want to have somebody come in and set a bunch of policy that they don't have to live under, right?
0: <laughs> I think that's a great point. And look, DeSantis has three young kids. You know, mm. I think all under the age of six, if I'm not mistaken. So he has skin in the game to that degree. But you know, even beyond the the age part, in terms of you're gonna die, you know, sooner. Uh, there's the other part, which is that generationally, how how old are you, if you don't mind? I'm being? 42. 42, yeah, yeah. okay, so, so I'm 46, mm. you're 42. So Gen X, which is what we are, mm. Gen X has not taken over for some reason. The boomers have held on for so freaking long that Gen X, which means if you're basically, let's say 35 to 55 right mm. now, you are in the prime of your life. You're not a kid anymore. You've had some life experience. You're still ready to take on the world. You have some knowledge in reality. You have hope still for the future, but you know something about the past. Also, there's a, sp- a very specific thing with Gen X, is that guys like us, we grew up uh, pre-internet. Mm. So we, we, know when, we know reality when reality was reality. I mean, the mainstream media may have been lying about everything, but it, we, we weren't all obsessed with our phones all day long. So the, I think that there's a full generational argument for DeSantis or anyone that's I would say in their 40s right now as opposed to people, you know, Trump only knows the world of a certain way. And by the way, when I'm 80, it'll be the same freaking thing. Right. But, you know, all day long when he's telling you it's fake news CNN and then doing a town hall with them or it's the failing New York Times and then every other week he gives Maggie Haberman an interview. DeSantis is like, no, 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 no. We're not playing that game anymore. You, if you lie about me, NBC News, you lied about our, this African American studies course repeatedly. I'm not talking to you anymore. He's letting the beast die, and unfortunately, Trump is putting the beast on resuscitation.
1: Yeah, it's you know, um, it's a good point. It's a really good point that allowing these people. I mean, it, it's and it kind of it correlates with what you said earlier about. Um, If you don't stand up and say no, and by the way, the power of the American population is the resounding standing up and saying no all at once. We've seen it, right, with the uh, uh, Misinformation Governance Board, for example. Everybody, everywhere, except for maybe a couple of really crazy people, were like, no, we're not fucking doing this. Except
0: for the Democrat Party, but pretty much everybody else,
1: Well, yeah, yeah, just the DNC, though, not the the Democratic voters, because they were like, no, I don't think this is a good idea. Um, Yeah. But to your other point, there, is, there has been this, uh, as far as our generation and even part of the younger generation, there's this con, these confluence of social issues that are interrupting our ability to take over, in my opinion, because we're less productive. And, and the two, one of them is that just interpersonal relationships, all this stuff around gender and not just the pronouns, but third wave feminism as well. Men court women by demonstrating their value to provide and protect for them, right? And masculinity has been demonized. So the ability to demonstrate Mm -hmm. protection is gone to some degree, right? Or at least it's seen in a different light. And then demonstrating your value as a provider because women are in the workplace more now, that's also diminished. And men haven't quite figured out how to catch up to that yet, I think. They haven't quite figured out how to re-demonstrate their value to young women. and, And that's why people aren't starting families until their 30s now, which is a problem, right?
0: yeah i think that's a great point and it's and it's legit and you know i mentioned jordan peterson before Mm. that's why so much of what he's done over the years was to help young men who were just beaten by the system and told that because of their gender and and skin colors you know if they were Mm. white specifically that they were somehow the problem and they're worth less and everything else and then it gives you a generation of guys who are very confused about things and more neurotic and nervous. And you know, we know suicide rates for young people, especially through through COVID and everything else. And girls have a whole other set where mm. now there's this mass social contagion where girls literally wanna become boys. That's usually the direction it goes uh, for kids. Like there's there's so many things here uh, that we need to plow through. And again, I think that not that everything is solved by pol- politics and politicians, it's not. But if you had somebody at the, at the head of the if the pilot of the plane let's say was thought of as a somewhat competent guy that was in a good marriage and had kids and da, 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 it might start shaping things it really might because otherwise i don't see how things will get shaped i think that there'll be pockets of shape hmm. there'll be places like florida places like tennessee where it'll kind of work and then what's going to happen and this may be inevitable no matter what our big cities will collapse the blue states will basically become banana republics of genderless whack jobs, trying to out hustle each other on race, something like that. And then there'll be these other little places where freedom will roughly be uh, managed or freedom will roughly fr- prosper, uh, but the federal government will always be coming after mm-hmm. those people because they'll be the only ones producing anything.
1: Right. Yeah, it's it's a good point. What, what you're describing is encephalopathy, right? That's what happens with traumatic brain injury. Uh, parts of the organism stop functioning properly so energy stops being sent there and more pressure is put on the areas uh that are still producing the requisite amount of energy and then they suffer because of it and that's maybe that's just how life works right uh and then the other part of uh it's not just it's not just young men it's young women as well they've been lied to about their femininity they've been lied to about it this this third wave feminism that purported that that Femininity that, that to be strong, a woman needs to be more like a man. That's fucking bullshit. Mm-hmm. The, the yep. point of feminism is that femininity is just as powerful in its lane as masculinity is. Right. Right. That's the whole fucking point of this stuff. And I wonder like, honestly, it's not going to be like this for everybody. I, I hate this debate about people get butt hurt when you say normal and abnormal. Normal means average. Abnormal means less average. What the fuck? Yeah. Can we not do anyways? Uh,
0: but, no, no, but that's an important point. By the way, that needs to be discussed because mm. of course you there There are things that are, you could say, this is where we could just pick the word for it, mm. but you could say that are normal or are the prototype or whatever, that are the basic building blocks, right? To build something that is true and real and sustainable. And then what you want out of out of hopefully a strong base from that, then you want some leverage on the sides to say, oh, there's some other things that are going on that aren't necessarily evil or too far out there or whatever, you wanna have some ability to deal with fringe cases, what you don't want is the fringe or the fringe of the fringe, especially to become the norm. And that's what's happening right now. That's why this, the T thing out of the LGBT is so freaking dangerous because there is no movement on earth today that is more anti-gay than the T's because Mm. the T's want to chop the genitals off the G's. That's a Mm. problem. And the T's also want to have men beating the shit out of women in sports. That also is a problem. So if you want to find the place where the machine is using a what is a legitimately marginalized group in some hmm. extent? The T's, let's say, marginalized or just out there fringe group, they're using them as a cudgel to take out the G's and the women. It's, I mean, this is good stuff. Somebody's got to write a sci-fi thing about this.
1: Sure. What do you What do you think that is? By the way, um, do you think it's just nihilistic competition? Maybe because you're you're all part of this. Uh, you, you, first of all, you're taught to be uh, to think of yourself as a victim, but also you know, you're you're the plebs. You're kind of even even like for, forget about the uh, aristocracy versus the vast majority of people. You're an even smaller group, right? And you're you're left to at least in your own mind struggle for the crumbs of society. And now you know there's competition there, and it, it seems to turn ugly pretty quickly. I, I don't I, but he, I don't know what it is.
0: To quote Chris Rock, the cops need a certain amount of crime. <laughs> I don't know if that was a I don't know if that was a good impression, but uh, <laughs> that's what it is basically. Mm. You know when when the gay rights movement got marriage equality, there are no laws stopping any gay person from doing anything, Sure. period, there are none. But the activists don't wanna close up shop. The millions, literally hundreds of millions of dollars pumped into that, and the machine behind that, they don't wanna just, okay, we did what we were supposed to do, let's get real jobs. So there's an entire machine built to keep the, the thing going. So you have to find New perceived oppressions. It's sort of like you know the the you could argue it's the same thing with the civil rights movement. There are no laws stopping black people from doing anything. Actually, the left has has seated or has gra- uh, grabbed so much power in America. You have way more advantages mm. if you're a young black man trying to get into corporate America than you do as a young white man. Or certainly, if you want to get into Harvard, they're going to punish you as an Asian, but they're going to lift you up as a black man. Th- these are just equity realities that are terrible and counter to America, but they they are they exist whether we like them or not. So I think it's it's partly that, it's that these machines exist. The civil rights movement, all the, the NAACP, which is telling you don't go to Florida because it's not safe for blacks, refuses to say anything about Chicago, where 50 black people were shot this weekend. The machine just goes. And what you have to do is figure out how to play the game a little bit better within that.
1: Sure, yeah, I mean, you could go Justin Pearson and, and develop a uh, um, uh, Martin Luther King cadence. You know, after <laughs> after not really sounding like that when you ran for class president in, in college. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, what's that the same? Kid, holy cow. He's a he's a knucklehead. Uh, but yeah. they, they say, you know, solved problems. Don't vote. Don't get out the vote. Solve problems. Don't generate revenue. It becomes an industry. All of these things become an industry. It's the same with teachers, unions and stuff like that. Like there, they're probably they're, there should be somebody standing in that gap making sure that people are taken advantage of. It's one of the principles. Like when you're in a position of power, especially, you should make sure that nobody around you is being taken advantage of because that's not who we are as people. But to turn it into an industry, a profit, for profit industry, that's kind of fucked in my opinion.
0: Look, it's led to a lot of this. Mm. The fact that every day we wake up and there's some new crazy story about the trans thing or that, that schools are celebrating this or this or that or the other thing. Look, a school could celebrate tolerance um, a school could celebrate what, you know, there's no such thing as gay rights or trans rights or black rights. There are equal rights. That's it. That's it. And once we've accomplished that, which again, we did not always have in America, but over time that arc has bent toward justice. So mm-hmm. women could not vote. Now they can. Black people could not vote. Now they can. Gay people could not get married. Now they can. We can go through all, we have Japanese internment. Okay. Mm-hmm. We've done bad things. Nothing is perfect. It's, it's what humanity is all about. The funny thing is the, the the radicals, these lefty radicals that are doing this stuff, they are the least tolerant. They would be the least tolerant of dissenting voices as they are the ones claiming they're marginalized on the dissent, even, on, you know, as they have all of these corporations backing everything they want. Man, I wish I had that kind of power. You turn on freaking PlayStation and it immediately tells you you're trans. The whole thing is insane.
1: It's pretty wild to to have resist in your bio when everybody is on your side that has any real power, right? Um,
0: man, they flipped the, the star Wars resistance got really flipped. Oh yeah.
1: Do you think this is like, like a lot of people think there's some kind of, um, anti-human transhumanist stuff going on behind the scenes. that's driving a lot of this. I wonder if it isn't just like a general malaise that drives it. Like, I don't, I don't want to be too conspiratorial, but back to the, the feminism thing. I mean, Normal versus abnormal. The the reality of life is that a woman, just like a man, is going to be most fulfilled in life by exercising her biological programming. That's just the way. That's like an Australian Shepherd is going to be happier on a ranch. That's just the way it is, right? And it isn't to say that we're we're dogs, but in some ways we are. You know, programmed to do certain things. And generally speaking, a female's biological programming means motherhood, and we have this entire generation of. I mean, I would see even into the mid 40s, maybe late 40s aged women who have prior, prioritized their career, particularly in their 20s and early 30s, and now are not too thrilled about the fact that they don't have children and they feel a certain kind of way about it. And unfortunately for us, like it is, if you want to make that decision, that's fine. But once it becomes pathological for you and you start to suffer the consequences and you enter public education, that's where it becomes a problem for me. And that seems to be the general pipeline. Woman in her 20s wants to be an educator and put her career before her family, doesn't have a family and then wants your children to be her children. And, and she thinks she has the same right to teach them shit as you do. And that's fucked. I mean, that's not a good thing.
0: I, that's a great analysis. I would say, you know, one like kind of mainstream version that we could go into is have you seen these videos from Chelsea Handler where she's constantly telling everybody how happy she is because, <laughs> you know, she's like late 40s or early you know. 50s. She's single, so what does she get to do every day? She wakes up, she smokes weed, she masturbates, she drinks vodka, she masturbates, she smokes weed, she does a sold-out show, she goes in the hot tub, like, and everyone knows it's like, okay, I'm not against any of those things, Mm -hmm. Uh, but, if you think you're really convincing us and you're, you're Botoxed beyond belief and everything else, that you are truly happy and filled. Look, is it possible that she is the outlier of outliers who truly has found fulfillment in all of this? I suppose that is possible, but is it probable? No, and and should it be the norm? Obviously not.
1: No, and nobody that's... Nobody that spends that amount of time in public talking about how happy they are is actually happy. And here, there's a very, there's a very concrete example of this. If you're a young man yeah. out there and you're looking to pick up, uh, you know, a milf, for example, or a lady that's currently in, a, if a woman is posting on her social media about how. Uh, It's been it's it's been a journey, but we're super happy together about her current uh, partner. They're going to break up pretty soon. That's just that's an iron law, (laughs) you know, because people who are happy are out being happy. It just depends what step
0: of the journey. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: People who are happy are out being happy. You know what I mean? That's that's like you don't you don't I've never felt. And and maybe it's different for the younger folks now because of the you know, they're just constantly inundated with social media, but. I've never felt like, oh, something great happened in my life. Uh, my uh, my buddy walked in, we had a good conversation. It was great, I haven't seen him in a while. We were in the military together. I don't go post like, oh, great day, hung out with my buddy. <laughs> like, no, you just <laughs> fucking sit so, there and hang we're out so with him. happy. Yeah, it's like, hang on, guy. I know, I know you're gonna tell me about your wife and kids and shit, but I really gotta get this post out first. Like, nobody thinks that way.
0: Well, it's also funny that the, the primacy has been put on happiness over purpose, right? Mm. Because, so I wake up every day And just if I was to look at my life, like I wake up, I do my show every day, I do a couple hits, I do other shows like this, I connect with interesting Mm -hmm. people, I get to talk about what I want. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because of that, I've built businesses that have given me the financial success to live the way I want. I'm in a good relationship, I have two young kids. Like my life is, is full, so there is happiness in that, but that's not the drive. The driver is that because I had purpose, like I want to do something, I'm going to do it, then, like, happiness is like the stuff that's sort of on the side of that, but happiness is not the driver. If you just say, I just want to be happy, you want to be happy? Well, then just do freaking ecstasy all day long or low, you know, microdose. You'll have a half cock smile all day and you just see how far that goes for you.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, um, I would say, so happiness obviously is an emotion, but it's not, that, that's, uh, that's sand, right? You're building on sand there. Cognition is what you probably should build on, because you have to, like, here, here's an example. Uh, I just had a conversation with somebody about this yesterday. Insecurity is a cognition. It's not an emotion, right? It, it, it is, it is a, pro- yeah, it's, it's a, a, it's a it's filter, a yeah, it's a yeah. system. It's a filter through which data comes, right? So you have to, to become a, a, a an adult who knows what the fuck's going on in life. You have to learn, you have to train that cognition to process information properly, right? So. Information comes in like the idea. Some people have a really hard time with the fact that their partner is attracted to other people. Like I I can guarantee you, your partner is attracted to other people because what the fuck are you even talking about? That's how it works, man. (laughs) So, you know, you, you, you train your body to process that amount of information or that type of information with all of the additional supporting information that while they're with me, we're doing this stuff. I'm not going to worry about that shit. I can't, I can't be consumed by that. And. I think this is the same. I think it's like, I'm trying to think of a good example for it, but I think, you know, developing strong cognitive processes comes typically from, uh, Brett uh, Weinstein goes into this a lot. Mm -hmm. I've talked to him a bunch about it, but just low-level conflict resolution as a child, right? Mm
0: -hmm. Allowing
1: kids to play together, make mistakes, do dumb shit, not telling them that one group is better than the other or worse than the other, not telling them that they should be careful about hurting each other's feelings. Let them hurt each other's feelings. Let them go through that process and discover, you know what? It kind of feels bad to hurt somebody's feelings. It doesn't feel great. It's hard to hate up close, you know what I mean? That's a really important lesson to learn as a child.
0: It's really important. I can tell you, so we have a nine month old and a seven month old. So these kids are basically going to grow up in effect as twins. Mm -hmm. But right now there's a pretty significant difference between nine months and seven months. So my nine month old, he's crawling, he's climbing on everything. He's ripping everything apart. He's smacking me in the face. The seven month old, he's just starting to crawl. So he has, mm. they, their competition level is completely out of whack right now. Now eventually, hopefully that, that evens out and it's all good. One of the things that I've really been trying to do uh, with my older one, because I can tell he's strong and he's an adventurer and he just wakes up and he's ready to take on the world, is when he's grabbing onto things and climbing all over, Thing, I do my best to stay out of his way. Now, obviously if he's grabbing a bunch of shards of glass, mm. I'm gonna be, you know, or rocks or whatever, then you gotta watch out, you don't want him to choke. But I try to like, you know, if he's balancing, I try to kind of let him fall mm-hmm. a little bit. Not not on cement, you know, but on a pillow or whatever, because I want him to realize there's, there's you can reach out this far, and then tomorrow you'll reach out a little bit further. And that really is what you're talking about with relationships. You mm-hmm. want people to be kind of full within themselves to the, to the best ability that they can. And sometimes, by the way, I think that's like a lifelong adventure. There are sure, times yeah. when, you have runs in life where you're like, man, I'm, I'm doing all the stuff I'm supposed to be doing, I'm doing it right, I'm focused, I'm clean, I'm clear, it's working. Then you have times where you just fall off and whatever that means, you might suddenly be an alcoholic, you're just doing whatever bad behaviors you have, whatever. But if you can do that thing right within yourself, then you can find someone else who's roughly doing it right. And then, and again, this is a kind of Jordan Peterson thing, if you can find someone to do that thing with in a life, That's probably what it's all about.
1: Sure. Yeah. And it's, it, it, it does come back. I mean, so this, one of the other things I talked to this uh, person about was just the general idea of happiness in early stage relationships where people are like, oh, I'm this, everything is elevated right now. I'm feeling good about this. And then the person does something that you don't necessarily like, and you're like, oh man, that's not great. Right. It it reminds me of the uh, uh, the conversation between Robin Williams and Matt Damon in Good Will Hunting, where he's talking about, "Well, she's mm-hmm. perfect right now. You don't want to ruin that." That that's a very good. That's a very apt analysis, right? Uh, because it isn't about it isn't about any of that bullshit. It's about the the do your purposes align with one another, right? Does it do those things matter? And, and the reality is that. <clears throat> Everything we do in life that's meaningful will be done in the service of other people, not yourself, right? And I think this this hyper focus on happiness makes us forget about the cognitive processes or developing them or even paying attention to them, and just focusing on do I feel good right now? And that is mm-hmm. that is my north star. That's fucking stupid. You know what I mean? I mean that's that's you're only you're gonna, that's dopamine versus serotonin. That's the debate, right? And you're just gonna be chasing that constantly. You're basically an addict at that point, and you're never gonna have a healthy life
0: well not only that but there's an entire system designed to do that mm. to us because you know we have endless scroll on our phones you know you're of a certain age you remember mm. when we first got online you'd go to a website it would end you go to espn.com i'm going to check out all the basketball scores you'd scroll down the page yeah, yeah. would end that was it now you had to go somewhere else yeah. or you get up but now it never ends whether you're on twitter whether you're on facebook the feed the algorithmic feed youtube it's endless scrolling. So that has also kept us on that endless chase for dopamine. And the question is, if you've watched YouTube videos for five hours or you watch porn for three hours or whatever the hell you did, at the end, are you going, am I happier or more fulfilled or whatever? I, again, I, I don't, I'm not against YouTube. I'm not even against porn in and of itself, but you, you get the point. Mm-hmm. Like the chase, the constant chase, which has been technologically injected into our brains I think is something that there, it's almost, that seems like a, a brain hack that they did on us. We, it, our brains have sort of limits. You know, you eat enough ice cream, your system is like, okay, no more ice cream. You can't just eat ice cream all day long. The internet, you can scroll all freaking day long, endlessly for the dopamine hit of happiness, or you can doom scroll to find people saying mean things, or you can watch <laughs> snuff videos, or God knows what else is on the internet.
1: Well, you got young kids, how are you gonna handle this, you know, as they get older?
0: it's. Look, my we talk about it all the time and it's like, I wanna keep them off these things as long as possible. But you know, my brother and sister have kids that are that are older than them, you know, in mm. early teens into, you know, toddler age, middle, uh, you know, third, fourth grade, and it's like, it starts getting tough. You know, every now and again, you want some quiet at dinner and you throw the iPad to them and you hope that, you hope that they're watching something that's not insane, but you don't know if they end up on TikTok and then God mm. knows what's gonna affect their brain. So all, I think the the most honest answer I can give you is, we will do our damn best to be as invested in them as possible to keep them off that or to have rules around it so that it doesn't go haywire. But it's it's very easy for me to say, uh, but we should pick this up in about six years and we'll see what Yeah, up. no
1: shit. I mean, well, I mean, you know, yeah. just uh, Jonathan Hayden, Greg Lukianoff would say, prepare the child for the road, not the road for the child, right? I mean, you, you, yeah. can't, you can't defend against everything, I guess, but it is, again, it's part of that building early cognitive processes, hopefully people, and it's never too late to do that, by the way. It's never too late. If you're if you're listening to this and you're 25, 35, 45 years old and you're struggling with this kind of stuff, it is never literally that you can teach an old dog new tricks. It is very possible yeah. to change your behavior. Um, I just, the, the one, there's a lot of people talking to young men now, which is great. I don't know that I hear a lot of people talking to young women about, uh, because typically what happens is somebody's involved in the media chase and then they discover something like homesteading or they discover whatever it is, right? And they're like, oh, this is, I'm actually happy. Like, gen- like sincerely, I'm, I'm full of purpose and happy now and they disappear. But don't, uh-huh. that, not, many, <laughs> not many of the women stick around to remind all the other women like, hey, this, you don't have to fucking, this game is rigged and the only way to win is to not play it. And I there, wonder- There
0: definitely are some women doing it. Yeah, it's not as many as the men, but I would mm. say this, if, if the men that are doing this, and yeah, there definitely are more, if, if they do it properly, I think that solves the problem for the women. Because I'll tell you, I know a lot of girls in their 20s and 30s that are cool, pretty, take care of themselves, good job, like really like in the flow properly. Mm. Uh, but they cannot find guys. I they hear the a lot, I hear guys. the
1: same. I hear the same.
0: But you don't see it the other way. It's very rare that you meet like a whole bunch of guys that are like, they really got their stuff together, take care of themselves, doing it right, and they just can't find girls. That's, that's not a thing. Right. So I think what would happen, but maybe it's just sort of the numbers game at this point, if, if the guys that are out there fixing themselves can keep doing that, there won't be a need on the girl side of this, which there might be some other reasons for that, mm. that literally are technological related, because guys tend to spend more time with these things and care more about things. And girls usually sure. care more about people, people something yeah. like
1: that. Makes sense. Good. Well, look, at least there's some hope, right? We're not completely fucked yet. Uh, we can,
0: you uh, know, I, I, well, I, I got nothing better to do than save the world. So. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad you're out there doing this stuff. I watch you a lot. I really appreciate it. I've been watching you since uh, before most people were to be honest. I've always enjoyed your stuff. Um, tell everybody where they can find you what, what you're up to. Are you doing any tours lately. Got any books coming out?
0: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm not doing a book right now. I, you know, my last book came out about a year ago. Mm. I'm trying to figure out what the third one will be. The, my main spot uh is rubenreport.locals.com. Locals was the tech company I started to fight some big tech mm. censorship. We eventually merged with Rumble and we're really building the the alternate rails for the internet, but that is a that is a side conversation but we got to have you on my show it's long overdue we're gonna i'm gonna have my guys email you for a friday yes sir we'll, we'll get you on and continue this
1: anytime appreciate you coming by today it's a, obviously always a great conversation i didn't say anything too fucked up to make you blush today which is nice um <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh yeah again appreciate your time today enjoy florida it's nice it, wait, where are you where are you we're in austin
0: all right, Austin's Austin's look, Austin's weird, obviously. Yeah, you got yeah. some problems, but I think you're gonna be all right over there.
1: Well, I live in the hills to the west, so I'm good. <laughs>
0: ah, gotcha. That's whatever all the happy people that say they're yeah, from Austin, yeah. they're always like out on the suburbs oh, yeah. somewhere. You're not yeah, like yeah. right in the middle of the yeah, That's right. Yeah.
1: I, I did live down. Yeah, you too, buddy. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming out. Thank you all for watching. This has been Citizen